Hello, intrepid leaders, and welcome to Series 2 of the Leadership Blog, where we talk about navigating everyday leadership. And in this first episode, I'm joined by the lovely Bethan Davis. Bethan is a co-founder of The Bravest Path, a company that brings a different approach to developing individuals and organisational cultures, making workplaces more human and humane. And Bethan tells us more about her journey to The Bravest Path in our conversation together. Bethan and I explore some of the key skills needed to be a courageous leader. And you can really hear my draw, my jaw drop when I discover that she trained with the exceptional Brené Brown. Not at all jealous. We chat about how values, um, vulnerability and seeking and giving feedback can help us have those brave conversations that enable us to step into a space of growth. To be honest, Bethan's passion for developing leaders just permeates our conversation and it really was quite contagious. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. So let's jump in. Hello, Bethan, and welcome to the Leadership Log podcast. How are you doing today? I'm really well thank you nice to meet you so thank you so much for being with us today I really do appreciate it and I just wondered maybe we could kickstart the um, episode with you just telling our listeners a little bit about what your day job is you know what is it that you do yeah sure so I am the co-founder of the bravest path so we are a courage building consultancy So our focus is helping people be braver, step into their discomfort zone and ultimately take more smart risks. Um, And we do that in a much more sort of human way. So it's how do you then develop empathy, audacity and flexibility in your leadership approach. So my day job is facilitating programs, coaching people and managing the business and all the relationships within that huge variety um and I, I can honestly say that I wouldn't do anything else this is something that I really truly enjoy and I can see has an impact in the world so I feel very fortunate to have that intersection I bet I bet I'm sure it's hugely impactful um and I know that um I've you know I've had a sneak peek I sound like a stalker when I say this but I've had a sneak peek at your your website for the bravest path that's because I'm a good researcher I like to be prepared for these things so um and I noticed that you're a dare to lead certified facilitator as well and I know that our listeners I know a huge amount of our listeners are huge Brené Brown uh fans so that must score you some brownie points I'm sure yeah, it's um, it's something I came to. I, my background is I used to be looking after leadership development and talent development in the city. And um, I was training to be a coach at the time and then came across some of her work. So particularly the gifts of imperfection. And it's quite a small book. And I read it and was like, this is just groundbreaking. It's amazing. And then um, Daring Greatly came out. And then there was an opportunity to train with her back in 2015 in London. And I thought, this I really need to be there. This feels like this work can change the world. And I don't say that lightly. It just felt like this can make such an impact. So I went to train with her then. Um, and at that point, she was doing what they called the Daring Way. Um, which is now Dare to Lead and is brought into corporations as well. Um, and then as a result of that, that's when I decided, let, I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to start our own business. Um, together with my husband, who's also a Dare to Lead facilitator, he's also trained with Brene. He's, um, he used to be in the police and then came out and, and did this as well. So, yeah, it's been 
I, I really feel like the research there is super useful. So we do dare to lead programs, but we also do some other programs as well. And it sort of helps underpin everything that we do in this space. Well, I'm just going to pick my chin up off the floor because I appreciate this is audio so people wouldn't have seen my jaw drop when you said that you I didn't realise you'd actually trained with the legend that is Brené Brown. So, I mean, yeah, that was a, a draw... Uh, a jaw, not a draw, a jaw drop moment for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm rather envious. I mean, what was she like? So did you get to meet? So I'm going off on my little tangent now. But did you get to to have any kind of one-on-one time with her? Oh, you're shaking your head. Oh, God, you're nodding your head. That's... Got to meet her. Not not one-on-one, but, but in a... Yeah. Week. And is and she as lovely as she seems? Very humble. Very yes. humble. That was what worked me most, actually. Um... And really, yeah, she's very powerful in how she kind of what she says. I, I really admired of, and if I'm honest, was a bit scared of the boundaries. She holds very good boundaries. Oh, um, right. So, for example, we had a cocktail night one night, and um, she came to that um, and said, I'm going to be here for the first bit, and then I need to go. And you know, she's an a introvert, and she needs that time alone. She modeled that really beautifully. Wow. Um, yeah but I must admit I was quite starstruck so I I didn't you know I could have gone and had more conversations and I I didn't at that time it was just a little bit overwhelming where to meet his you know the conversation would be a bit different but we still have quite a lot of community meetups where she's there and um virtually as well so Gosh, that's amazing. So that, I mean, that you know, you don't have to explain your credentials any more than that, really, do you? I mean, she is she is a rock star. There we are. I've said it. She's a legend. The woman is a legend. And I agree with you. Her, you know, I've never met her, but even you can, where you talk about that kind of level of presence that she has, the way she presents herself, the way she talks, um, she uses all the right techniques doesn't she in terms of the breathing and the space and the, it's so impactful. So yeah, hugely jealous, but gosh, so so lovely for you to have actually met her and to still continue to have some input with her as well. I think that's fantastic. I don't know whether we could just finish the podcast at that point. No, really. But we won't because, you know, at the end of the day, that's how you started your journey. But, you know, it would be great for us to have a conversation about a little bit more about leadership and in particular, courageous leadership. So for you, Bethan, what is courageous leadership? So... We define it as being able to step into that space where you are taking a smart risk that is in line with your values. Mm. So it's not you're not just doing that because you want to take a risk or you want to try something else, but there's an intention behind it. Mm. And it's probably the space that makes you feel vulnerable because what we know from Brene's research is that vulnerability is our most accurate measure of courage. And so there's that feeling somatically in your body where this feels really horrible your palms are sweaty your heart's racing but it's also the space where actually you really connect with others Mm -hmm. and so for us courageous leadership is also authentic leadership and it's human and it's really about actually how do we then build trust at work practice empathy and lean into those edges that we all have as leaders in that space Mm. yeah I mean gosh yeah you're right and if I think about um, myself and my leadership journey and I know we were talking offline before we started this recording and one of the things you know one of the reasons um, you know I'm doing a lot of leadership development at the moment it's no secret that one of those things is the Florence Nightingale scholarship you know one of the reasons why I wanted to pursue that is I wanted them to help me or I wanted that experience to help me to be 
more courageous and build my confidence because I think, you know, I was at a, a time where um, I didn't have that level of self-belief and that level of a level of courage that I, I felt I needed to pursue and step outside of my comfort zone. But, but you talk be- beautifully then about le- about our values. So courage is about leaning into values. So it's not just about going around, you know, brandishing some s- sword and starting all these social campaigns because just because you're brave and, you, and you're courageous. It's about... So is it about truly aligning yourself and aligning the way in which you show up so you talked about authenticity so it's aligning to your values so how how do we do we know what our values are though I guess is 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 my question having recently been asked that question um I wasn't able to answer it um straight away so how how do we um help leaders to to think about what their values might be do you have any kind of um top tips for them so, so most people, when I ask them what their values are, or I ask, you know, versions of what do you stand for? What do you want to be known for as a leader? Don't instinctively know what their values are. So you're not alone in that space. That makes me feel better. Thanks. <laughs> and I think the question, right? And our values can change and shift slightly over time. So whilst we might have the same set of values, they might the order of priority might change depending on what's going on in our lives. What we do on a lot of our programs is help people get clarity on the first top two. What are your top two values? Um, and we do that through a couple of different exercises. One is um, the Dare to Lead exercise, which is in the, um, the book by Brené Brown, which is basically a list of lots of values that you go through and you choose from that. What I find, though, sometimes is that can be very much an aspirational shopping list. People go, oh, yes, integrity. That's a good value. I should have that as a value. (laughs) The should, right? The shoulds that come in. I should have achievement as a value. I should have family as a value. So we do some exercises called mining for values where we give people some questions to ask each other. Um, And I'm happy to give you some so that you can use them in the footnotes um, for your podcast as well if people want to do it with a friend. And these questions help people listen to each other in a way that's listening for what is being said as well as what's not being said. So we get them to think about times in their life when everything was going really well, what was happening. They might be talking about, I've got loads of great relationships with my family and my friends, I'm socialising. The value that they might not be saying is connection, but that might be underneath that. Mm. So we're helping them for their values. I think it's also critical to think about when you're really frustrated, when you get really angry, often that's because the opposite of that is a value of yours. So, for example, you know, we get frustrated when boundaries are crossed. And so if you're saying actually something happens and I'm frustrated about that because it didn't seem fair, well, fairness might be a value or it might be. So that's also a really useful data point. So we get people to think about it from both sides. But ultimately, it's just defining that and honing that is really key for people to get a bit more granular. Yeah, I love that. I love that term mining for values. I think that's really I think that's really quite a lovely way of, of putting it because that's exactly what it is. Um, and, you know, what you've just talked about there resonates with me. In fact, I think you might have peeked at my my list of values. But because um, fairness, that sense of injustice is one of 
is definitely one of my values. But again, you're right. It's like it's like all of these, you know, like uh, the Myers Briggs and the uh, the Belbin and all of these different kind of um, assessments, tests, and things that you do. They will ebb and flow, I suppose, won't they? Because it'll depend on the context that you find yourself in, in terms of where you are in your personal life, where you are in your professional life, all of those things, isn't it? So it's great that you know you talk about getting people to think about it in the context of where they currently are. Um, and understanding that, that that those things can change, so I just want to take you back again. You, you, I mean, Brené's got all these wonderful um, phrases. I'm sure we could do a whole podcast just with all of her sayings. But you said right at the very um, beginning when we were talking about what courageous leadership is, you said Brené Brown says vulnerability is the most accurate measurement of courage. So I'd, I'd be really keen to explore with you a little bit what what. What does vulnerability look like in leadership? How does that show up? Yeah, so, and this is what we do actually on a lot of our courses is take people to what what is this practically? Because we can take the theory, but what does this mean when you're leading a team? So this is saying, I don't know. Well, you don't know the answer to a question. It's apologizing. Mm -hmm. It's sharing that you got it wrong and you made a mistake. It's giving and receiving feedback. That's a, that's an act of vulnerability, right? And what's important to think about when we talk about vulnerability is she defines it from the research as risk, uncertainty, mm. and emotional exposure. Mm. So is there risk, uncertainty, and emotional exposure when you give and receive feedback? Absolutely, right? You have no idea what's going to happen there. Having brave conversations, having conversations about race, about gender, um, about anything that makes you feel vulnerable. Um, it's also about delegating. When you're a leader and you delegate, you know, that loss of control, having to trust people in that space. Mm. Um, some of those practical things are an everyday circumstance where you have to say, actually, I don't know everything and I'm not a perfect leader. Mm. I think what I've learned from this work um, and the work that we try and teach is there is no one right way to be a leader. What's really important is it's about leaning into your authenticity. How do you show up? And who you are is how you lead. Right? So what, how can you build your own self-awareness? So as a leader, you can make more informed choices about how you want to show up in that space for others. I mean, you, you know, who you are is how you lead. I love that. Uh, you know, that's absolutely right, isn't it? Because authentic, you know, that brings everything else into it that you've you've just kind of um, talked about. It's interesting, isn't it, though? Because the vulnerability and authenticity are, are kind of um, codependent, I suppose, in in some respects, because you need to be your authentic self in order to be vulnerable. Um, but there will be a lot of leaders out there, I'm sure, who will find that really difficult. And one of the areas of a uh, huge area of interest of mine um, is psychological safety. And so, um, so this seems to lend itself quite well to that conversation as well. Is is how do we build? How as a leader we can build our psychologically safe space for self and others um to be vulnerable and to because so again the whole feedback thing you're right you're absolutely right i don't active i don't necessarily actively seek feedback on my on on me on how i'm doing or you know how people might be feeling well i do now but i never used to um and that's probably because it's uncomfortable, isn't it? And where you talk about that uncertainty. So maybe just actually on that point of feedback, um, do you have anything, you know, do you have any kind of insights around how to give and receive feedback as a leader? How you, how you, might, how you might best do that? Yeah. So I think to your point just a second ago about psychological safety. Yes. First of all, 
how can you create that environment? And we use Amy Edmondson's work of professor in psychological safety a lot in this space because you need to create a space where people feel that they can take risks and you know, be vulnerable in order to receive that. So a couple of things when giving feedback that's really key is like almost like a checklist. Like, am I ready to give this feedback? And what am I trying to achieve? So beforehand, spending some time to prepare around that, if that's a um, you know a planned conversation is important, but also if it's off the hook, how can you actually in the moment then give that feedback in a way mm. where you are emotionally stable is really important. Mm. So sometimes we have kind of an emotional trigger. That's not the point to, to give feedback. <laughs> but we do want to be giving it frequently and, and as close to the time as possible, both positive and negative. Mm. One of the I really like about um, the work of John Gottman. John Gottman does a lot of work around trust mm. and with his wife, and they found that there's an important ratio of five to one when giving feedback. Okay. So five positive interactions to one sort of opportunity for growth. And, then, and he actually talks about that. His work is all about um, divorce statistics and that they okay. can measure to that. 98% accuracy whether people get divorced. But they found the secret to a happy relationship and also a happy um, relationship in work as well is that five to one ratio of positive to developmental um, approaches. So bearing that in mind when giving feedback is also important. Yeah. Another thing I would say is using fact as well as story in the space of giving feedback. So fact is, I noticed that you've turned up late for the last three team meetings. Using the word, I notice that, mm. it's not user to be blaming. You turned up late for the last three team meetings, and that made me feel, you know, we're not in that space. We're saying, I noticed that this has happened. And I'm making up a story about, I'm making up a story that that means you're not enjoying being part of the team. Oh, like, I'm yeah. owning that back, and I'm sharing with somebody else, like, how it might make me feel. I feel, and I feel disappointed because I really value you as part of this team. Mm. Can you help and like, what do you need so we can start the meeting on time? So starting with, and we have a Brave Conversations workshop that we do and take people through this. Okay. But starting with the fact. So what is the fact? What is the data? And get really clear on that. Because if you're somebody that really struggles with giving that feedback because you think, oh, they're going to say I'm wrong or we're going to get into an argument. If you have pure fact, they can't dispute that, right? It's very hard to yeah, do that, right? Yeah. And if you're saying, I noticed that, or I've seen this, again, you're not saying you did this and you made me feel that way. So you're staying very neutral. The language is very clean. But then most important in that, sharing your story, owning it that I've made up a story, right, that you're not engaged in the team. I don't know what's going on for you. It might be that every day we have that team meeting, you have to go and look after your sick mother before you come, and every time you're a little bit delayed. So I'm not making an assumption but I am saying like it's my own story and I know that might not be true. So help me understand. So then you're in the space of curiosity, mm. which is like how, many, how can we, what do we need to do to make sure that happens? So, uh, so I'm reflecting as you're talking. So there's something in there for me about the importance of language because there's a couple of things that you, that you termed in a different way that made it sound more positive. So for example, when you, t when we, when you first started talking about feedback, 
and you talked about um, the five to one ratio and the the one thing rather than being the the bad thing you know the thing that you did wrong or the weakness or you know some of the language that we use sometimes you 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 termed it as um, opportunity for growth you know so much better as Nick's it, it, it gives that it broke us hope it broke us hope that actually you know th- there is a, a, a point here that we can do something different this isn't the end of the you know it's it's just that positive language isn't it I thought was really good and the and the other um thing was it's really interesting I don't think I'd heard about the five to one ratio before but I was gonna ask you actually so about you know you hear all of these different kind of approaches like the feedback sandwich you know one well I know <laughs> One nice thing, one bad thing, and one nice thing. So you mentioned as well um, the fantastic Amy Edmondson, who, by the way, I'm a huge fan of. And um, you know, one of my greatest moments of my FNF um, scholarship so far is the fact that she now follows me on Twitter. So... <laughs> So maybe I need to work on Brené now to get Brené to follow me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, creating that psychologically safe space is hugely important in all of this and to be vulnerable. But there's another lady who, whose book I've read and particularly around feedback. And I just wanted to mention this to you, given we're in a space of sharing. And it may, I don't know if you've heard of Kimball Scott. Um, and she's written a book called Radical Candor. Um, wow. Yeah. And who, so there's, because Amy's got a, a, a a two by two matrix isn't she around accountability and and the level of psychological safety in teams in the comfort zone and so actually Kimball Scott has got a two by two it's not matrix it's more of an axis but that top kind of right hand corner is is where you achieve radical candor by demonstrating you care personally so yeah I, I think um I really like her approach of radical candor one of the things that I really personally struggle with is having a lot of empathy and she talks about ruinous empathy when you're actually not in that space where you can care personally and challenge directly and I was in the space of caring too much which then stopped me having these brave conversations because I was so worried about hurting people's feelings or what would they think of me and actually this that approach I find is a really balanced approach and and it's important as leaders because how can we help people grow if we don't give them that feedback And there's a way in which we can do it, which is really with empathy and accountability and and ultimately with kindness as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's what, you know, her work is kind of predicated on the fact that she had somebody called Bob working for her um, and Bob wasn't very good at his job and nobody ever told Bob he wasn't very good at his job. So it's not very fair to Bob, is it, when he got fired? So, I mean, I'm rounding that story up quite 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 quickly but you know ultimately that's where that's where that um piece of work for for that for Kimball Scott kind of came from so um it's just and it's lovely to make the connections between all these pieces of work and 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 how we can bring them all together to make us stronger um more effective leaders isn't it one of the other things you talked about um probably right when we first started having the chat I think was around um the importance of connections and 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 networks and I just wondered if you wanted to expand on that a little bit you know why is it so important as leaders that we have these connections and these networks that we can tap into yeah I think it's important because if we're going to be brave if we're going to as Brené talks about stepping into the arena it is not always going to work out And so we need people around us that are supporting us and help us get back up again when that happens. And it's people that say, hey, I know you were being really brave. It didn't work out this time. That sucks. And I'm here for you. 
And so if, if we're trying to be really brave as leaders, and let's face it, being a leader is hard, right? There's so many, especially in today's world, so much going on. And so I think in that space, having people that support you and can hold you to account when you're not living into your values, because values are not about aspirational, they're about lived values. How can you actually like have those behaviors lived every day? Then that's why that connection is really key to helping you around your path. And what we do um, in our programs is our programs are designed to have content, but the content's kind of around the program, but the actual program is connection over content. So we're trying to help people build these net- networks and be in a space where actually they're learning from each other as much as from the content, because that's a really great way in which we learn, we bond. And then we've got people on programs that you know go back five years, they're still on WhatsApp groups, they're still connecting, supporting each other. And I just think that's so invaluable as a leader in the world today. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I, I mean, I'm a huge, um, you know, I'm a huge advocate of, of, of growing your network and your connection. And and again, you know, over the last year, my networks and connections have grown beyond Wales as well, which I don't think is is a bad thing. Not that there's anything wrong with anybody in Wales. I, I love my connections, my networks, my you know, my friends, my family. Uh, you know, they're all Welsh, they're all wonderful. But I think there is something about the that diversity of thought, I think, as well, is is hugely important as a leader to help you grow because I think um you know I I I read a lot so I'm, I'm a bit of a knowledge sponge I love to learn new things and so I love to surround myself with people who've got that diversity of thought and and I think you're right you know having you know there's key people that I can think of that I could draw on and 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 who have also pushed me to be courageous and step out and just do it kind of thing you know so um no that's that's great thank you bethan and then i guess so i mean so we've talked about um being courageous which requires us to be vulnerable etc and, and i know you have given some advice and and guidance so i think maybe just to sum up um sum up our conversation a little bit is so if for leaders that are having difficulty with being courageous and or vulnerable um what advice would you offer them mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it would depend a little bit on what they were struggling with. But the key part of this is trying to let go of what other people might think. Mm. Because we often think that people will be thinking about us. What will they say? What will they think? But they're often too busy thinking about themselves. Right, yeah. In that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's about sort of holding that really lightly, letting go of what other people might think. And then also thinking about like what's the worst that can happen? So if I share with my team that I made a similar mistake as one of my team members is sharing with me, what's the worst that can happen? And I would say hold it as an experiment. You can always go back to the way you were before. But what might happen if you just start to take a little baby step, right? Just share a bit more or say, you know what, I don't know right now. I'm going to check that and come back to you. Mm. Um, Being able to do that, we know that vulnerability and courage is contagious, And when one person does it, it gives permission for others to do the same. So I'd say hold it as an experiment. Really get clear on whose opinions really, truly matter to you. And often that's a handful of people rather than trying to please everyone. And we can't please everybody. It just isn't possible to do. And I think there's a nature of our world today in which we're often perfectionists. Right? We want to control what other people think of us. Mm. And we're 
its core, perfectionism is about obtaining approval and acceptance. And so how can we then sort of let go of that and then step into who we want to be and the leader that we want to show up as? But baby steps, trying it out, experimenting with it, seeing what happens um, are all great ways. And then noticing that you don't have to share your deepest, darkest secrets with people to be vulnerable. No. You know, it is really just stepping into that space of maybe challenging, speaking up, um, having those conversations, which can feel like weakness in us. That's yeah. the paradox right? when we're doing it. But actually, that's a real act of courage to do so. These are everyday moments of courage we're talking about here. Yeah. And, you know, just to reflect, and I won't go into any detail around moments of courage I've had recently, but the... How can you do this? But the but how the way it makes you feel afterwards is is rather um, liberating. Without sound, sounding too kind of cliche, it is quite liberating. It, it feels great. It feels. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the word empowering, but it does. It 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 makes me feel like. You know, I've I've leaned into my values. Everything we've talked about now, you know, especially if I've I've called out a behaviour or something, it makes me feel like I've lived into my values. That's something I said I wouldn't put up with, and and I've done something about that. I haven't just because there's that whole uh, saying I don't know where it comes from, but the standard you walk by is the standard that you accept, isn't it? So there's 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 something about that, and I think. You know, I think now more than ever, you know, most of our listeners, I think, are healthcare professionals. They work in the healthcare um, arena. I'm, I'm, and I know there are other listeners out there because we are hoping to appeal to a broad audience. Um, but, you know, now more than ever, I guess, as we step forward from what's the last two years and what's been, you know, the greatest kind of time of uncertainty and and you know that anybody's ever seen um but yet I am a nurse so I'll talk about nurses time and time again they've showed up for work time and time again but at some point they're gonna have to deal with that aren't they and that might require them to be quite vulnerable and to be courageous and then and then then you know they need to have those connections and, and networks and things around them I love the baby steps thing. I think it's great. You know, dip your toe in the water. You know, you don't have to go all in and tell everybody your deepest, darkest secrets to be vulnerable. You're absolutely right. And just saying something as simple as, I don't know, can be hugely impactful, not just for yourself, but it ha- it has that ripple effect, doesn't it? Because it's that role modelling, as you said. So um, great way to, to round up and some great advice there, I think, for, for leaders who might be struggling with being courageous, Beth, and thank you. So before we close the episode, though, um, there, there are a couple of things we like to ask our guests before we let them let them free on the, the rest of the world for the rest of the day. So I just wondered, and it'd be interesting for me because I'm wondering what you, what you might what your response might be to this. But I wondered if you've got a leadership quote, a philosophy, or a mantra you try to embody every day so that you can be the best leader that you can be. Yeah, and I think that the thing for me, I, I'm sure you're expecting a Brené Brown quote. I was not, just, I'm I not, didn't like to say it, but. <laughs> I think Brené's research is a part of what we do, and it is a key part, but it's also you know, helping people be more of who they are. Mm. And so the quote that I have is from Warren Bennis, who's a leadership scholar and a university professor. And he says, becoming a leader is synonymous with becoming yourself. It is precisely that simple. It is also that difficult. And I love that because it's all about 
you know, who you are is how you lead that authenticity. Mm. And everybody has got unique gifts as a leader. And so I think our roles is to search inside ourselves, find those gifts and leverage them. Mm. And like none of us are going to be perfect leaders, in, and especially in healthcare with the demands and the complexity of, of the work, especially now as well. So really giving ourselves permission to show up as we, who we really are, I think is absolutely key. Yeah. And it's a struggle for me, right? Every day sometimes I, I want to hide the parts of me that I don't want people to see and the armor that comes up. And so how do I lower that armor and actually show my true self in that space? So, yeah, that's the quote that I really enjoy. I, that, that's a fantastic quote. I have to say, I've not I've not heard that one. And I thought I'd heard most leadership quotes. I really like that, I think. And it's a great quote that actually... Um, brings everything together that you've we've talked about we've had a conversation about but it's, it's interesting what yeah it's interesting isn't it because I did make an assumption that your quote might be a Brené Brown one so I think it is really important for you to for, to identify the fact that actually you know whilst the work of Brené Brown is um fantastic and it's absolutely pivotal and you know impactful etc etc but there's so much other work out there isn't it and we have in fairness during the conversation we have alluded to like Amy Edmondson stuff and you know Kimball Scott and I'm sure there's and the and the not I'm sure I know there are many other um great leaders out there that you know and some great everyday leaders that have probably maybe not put pen to paper or done a TEDx talk or done you know that can help you know mentor you and help you to grow and all those sorts of things so I think it's um because it's interesting should you think you've been tarred with this like brush of like dear to lead Brené Brown you don't think outside of that at the realms of 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 those sorts of concepts that Brené's put forward I I, I'll always be very grateful for for that because I think for me to be so say hard I think like enhanced it's like hugely enhanced I think our work has um like so recently we were doing some uh, webinars for the newly registered nurses and midwives and we use the work of Dr. Kristen Neff in self-compassion. So it's about cultivating compassion for yourself and um, encourage for others. So building those two concepts together. Yeah. And I think I love Brene's work and it's a part of what we do. And I think people know us because of that. And actually, I think also the self-compassion work in healthcare and for leaders mm-hmm. in healthcare, if I'm honest, are even more important. Yeah. And, and often it's even more because of the struggles that we have with perfectionism and actually just being kind to ourselves and recognizing that we are making progress. So, um, so I would say, you know, that is a part, but there's so much more and it's about integrating all of that. And our programs are more about how can you be braver? How can you take those smart risks, but also how can you be kinder to yourself? That's going to help you be happier ultimately and wiser in that space. Yeah, or and all of that stuff can only, you know, can only mean great things for the people that work with you, um, and the, you know, the patients that we look after in healthcare, and you're going to hugely benefit from those things, aren't they? So, but no, I just thought I was thinking to myself, um, as because there was, I thought, oh, she, you know, Bethan, as she, Bethan's going to come up with a a Brenny Brown quote and I was just thinking hang on a minute I know that's just part of the work that you did so I think it was important just to absolutely right the Brenny work is 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 hugely inspirational it's hugely impactful but there's so much other stuff out there as well and the self-compassion I think is again you know but it all links doesn't it but self-compassion we are quite self-deprecating as 
as as nurses anyway in particular I think we can be quite self-deprecating and we don't always blow our own trumpets and we don't always take that time out I think sometimes we feel we have to continue to be the carers and continue to care for others and maybe don't always turn that care care on ourselves so I think that is hugely important um in leadership thank you Beth and really appreciate that and so so just for a bit of fun before before I let you go um three dinner guests dead or alive real or fictional who are you going to invite this is such a hard question I've been thinking about it um and I've only been able to come up with two um, and one of them is dead. So Shirley Hughes, the childhood, um, sorry, child, uh, children's author. Oh. Um, she, she's written a lot of books like My, My Naughty Little Sister. Um, and she talks, and, and I don't think there's something about her books and her drawings that uh, I'm a mother. And just sort of noticing how she really engages with the reality and the humanity of childhood and being a parent like really touches me and I would love to kind of understand how she yeah really um I guess kind of went into that but then brought that humanity to the page like she had she's so loved I think she was the children's laureate for a while and people really connect with her stories and so that connection and how she's done that I'd be super curious to find out she died um I think earlier this year um yeah um so she's one um and then it's it's actually another author which is somebody called Rosamond Pilcher and she writes uh, one of her famous books is called The Shell Seekers and again she writes about human relationships and she has just such um, exquisite observation skills of the dynamics of how people live and build relationships. You can tell, like, I'm really interested in connection here. Absolutely, yeah. I just want to know how is it that you, um, yeah, how is it that you've captured that? What What is it that you've noticed? And I'd be loving to learn. I think one of the things I'm so curious about is what is it that makes that helps people change? Oh, yeah, for like, sure. You know, those things. And so recognising that in relationship, which she talks about, but also in just in life, like what are those things? Because we see people on our programmes really like transform through coaching or through interactions with each other, through their network. Like, but what is that magic thing that really is? Where's the shift? What's happened? Mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly trying to evolve that in the work that we do. And I think those two from a very different point would help shape that so I'd have a lot of questions fantastic and I mean I'm a I'm a self-confessed bookworm like I said earlier in the podcast I love knowledge and what you know books is one of the ways that I I get some of that knowledge and so you know I'm all for that some uh I definitely have to check out both those authors actually because I do love a kid's book usually I've got a, a you know either a young adult or a children's book I'm a huge Roald Dahl fan and uh, and a grown-up book on the go <laughs> at the same yeah. time but interesting what you should say about um interested in what makes people change and recently I've been exploring and reading a lot around stories and storytelling and how we can use storytelling to help influence and change cultures um not easy you have to become a bit of a master storyteller to do that but it's interesting because it you've just kind of described two authors that have have 
got you to really start to think about, you know, what is it about human connections? What is it about change? So I think, um, yeah, that that's an area of particular um, growth and interest for me as well as around storytelling and how that might uh, how that might help us to change culture. If we, we if we tell better stories with better language and you know put people at the heart of it, I think we could we could definitely influence our culture. Um, we read if we read more so as leaders like one of the most important skills that they're predicting now for the future is empathy yeah. and in nurse healthcare workers often that is a skill set mm. but if we want to develop that actually reading especially reading fiction is one of the best ways to develop empathy and so oh, really? you connect, you're going in somebody else's world right and you're learning about their world and actually seeing things differently and it's opening up perspectives around that so yeah, that's one way to really develop that skill as a leader, which personally I think is the most critical skill for leaders to have. Do you know what? Off the back of what you just said, I'm going to make a book recommendation for you. It's called The Science of Storytelling, and it's written by a chap called Will Storr. So it's S-T-O-R-R. Um, and I've just finished reading it. Um, and he um, he uses a couple of well-known books and really goes into how those books you know, engage people and help us to to really get kind of um, feel the protagonist and all that sort of things. You might find it. It's, it's a bit, it starts off a bit heavy going, but I really enjoyed it. It was a really good book. So, Beth, I could obviously, I, I could chat with you um, forever, but I'm sure you're a very busy lady and I do appreciate your time. So that brings this episode to to a close. And all that remains for me to say is to thank you, Bethan, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Um, and to thank our listeners uh, for, for listening. So until next time, it's goodbye, Bethan. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. A pleasure's been mine. Thanks for listening to the Leadership Blog, where we're navigating everyday leadership. This is a non-affiliated podcast, and any views, thoughts and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests belong solely to them, and not necessarily to their employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual.